In this podcast, Christine Peterson will focus on how our bodies and our minds work and give you various tips and tricks, tools and techniques for understanding yourself, being happier in yourself and living a better life. Every week, we will discuss different topics that might interest you and help you think differently to then change the way you approach life and yourself. In this episode, we will be discussing hormones and emotions and how you can influence your hormones in order to avoid stress, prevent burnout, and be happier. So Julie, it's nice to see you on this podcast. Nice to see you too, Christine. I'm really looking forward to this episode because we have a very interesting subject, hormones, a huge one. So I know you're a big fan of this topic. Can you tell us why? Well, Julie, um, many years ago, I, uh, I myself had a burnout and it came as a bit of a surprise. I think it does for many people when they get into a burnout situation. So... Um, being interested in un- trying to understand what's going on in, in the body, you know, why did I have this? What was happening? I started studying burnout and I started going down into the details of understanding what happens in the body when you have a burnout. Because I thought, I felt that if I could understand what takes place in the body, then I could maybe stop the burnout or, or help myself. Uh, and stop the burnout happening. Mm-hmm. And any big discovery that you've made or something? Because it's a huge subject. So it's a can huge tell us. Subject. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, what I found was really, really interesting. And this is what I want to share with you today. I mean, not just about burnout. Um, also, uh, how do we live better lives? How do we live more happy lives? Uh, understanding more about our hormones. And in fact, what I found was that um, it was the hormones in my body that uh, caused the burnout to happen. So, in f- and the more I dug, the more I realized that uh, the hormones, our hormones in our bodies um, are um, concerned with a lot of our bodily functions um, and not just burnout or, or energy or stress. Um, in fact, they, um, they're concerned with, with managing a lot of how your body works, your metabolism, your growth, the development, uh, and how you get your energy from the foods you eat. Um, And in fact, um, the hormones are the building blocks, if you wish, of, or rather the chemical messengers in your body. They develop, they travel through your bloodstream and they deliver messages to your different tissues and your organs. Now, they work very slowly, they work over time, and they affect many, many different processes in the body. Uh, there's about 50 types of hormones wow. in the body. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, we know the, the main ones, the ones that affect um, our moods, uh, such as dopamine, which we're calling the reward 
hormone or oxytocin you might have heard of, which is the love hormone. That's the, the hormone that gets produced automatically if you're playing with a baby or playing with a dog or if you're falling in love. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one you might know is serotonin. Uh, this is a mood stabilizer. It helps stabilize your moods. And you may, you've probably heard of endorphins as well. These are actual painkillers. These are natural painkillers in the body. So all these, these are the good hormones, we would call them, the helpful hormones. Um, these hormones help us um, react and, and, and change emotions depending on, on what's happening in our lives. We can't uh, very easily decide which hormone is going to be produced. That happens automatically in your body, depending on um, some form of, of um, stimulation. What we can do is we may be able to manage the amount of and duration that a certain hormone uh, is in the body. So, for example, if we're talking about adrenaline, another hormone we all know about, uh, adrenaline is a hormone uh, which increases heart rate, it elevates your blood pressure, um, and it boosts your energy supplies. Now, adrenaline is used for the in the body in order to, uh, when you're in a stressful situation, when you're in what we call the fight or flight uh, mode, so you're, you feel you're under attack or rather your brain, your body feels it's under attack. Again, it's, it's not conscious. Um, then the body will produce adrenaline so that you can either fight uh, whoever is in front of you or you can flight, you can flee away from whoever there is. Uh, now this, of course, was very useful when we were out on the savannah and we were uh, hunting uh, big animals and we had to run away from tigers and whatever rhinoceroses. <laughs> uh, it's not as useful when we're in an office sitting at a desk and uh, somebody annoys us. Uh, but, and of course, adrenaline will still happen in the body. So one of the really interesting things is to find out what are the hormones that are being affected um, in a, in a certain situation. So being becoming aware of that and then knowing how to maybe modulate the hormone, maybe allow the body to produce less adrenaline. Or another hormone that we know we may know about is called cortisol. It's a, 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 another hormone that's released in under stressful circumstances. And what does it actually do in the body? It increases the sugars in your bloodstream um, it changes your immune system responses, it suppresses the digestive system and the reproductive system, and it increases your heart rate and blood pressure. Now, all these actions are done so that uh, you can become a fighting or running machine. So it works very much with your adrenaline, again, when you're in a stressful situation. Okay, you just mentioned being aware to regulate and learn to regulate them. So how can we be aware of them, you know, and how to regulate them? That's, that's the big question. It is how can we understand when a certain hormone is, is coming into our bloodstream? And I don't know if you've had the feeling, Julie, when uh, you are in a panic situation or in a dangerous situation or in some sort of a stressful situation you feel this tingling in your body yeah uh, and that's adrenaline and cortisol being released it mm -hmm. happens instantaneously 
as soon as I don't see chocolate in my uh, kitchen, probably, then I have yes. some stress. Yeah, probably. So now if that and that's actually you're getting onto a good point, because we talked about endorphins before. Endorphins are painkillers mm -hmm. and endorphins um, will be produced by the body when you eat dark chocolate. Oh, that's the yes. greatest news. <laughs> yes. So in order, to, if you're in pain or in some form of stress, you can have a piece of dark chocolate and that will lower your stress levels because it will increase. It'll be a painkiller, a natural painkiller for you. It's fantastic. That's, yeah. okay. Actually, talking about endorphins, uh, another way to increase in endorphins is by laughing. So... <laughs> And maybe smelling what essential oils, smelling lavender or, or citrus oils, and by exercise. So if you can find a way, I don't know, Julie, to, I know you love chocolate. So uh, have a piece of chocolate while sitting on an exercise bike, laughing and smelling lavender, then you are, <laughs> your endorphins heaven. will be, heaven, your endorphins <laughs> will be top. Okay, see. And if you go back to adrenaline, so you spoke about uh, also yes. learn how to regulate it. Yes. How are there special exercises or way, ways to there, do that? Yes, there are. Um, it's all about managing your response levels to perceived stress. Remember mm -hmm. that uh, stress is, is, is personal, it's individual. So uh, one, uh, something that will stress you might not stress me or, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all very individual and it's all based on our experiences so far. Um, so the body will remember something happened and it will then, when it gets into what it thinks is a similar situation, it will have the same stress reaction. So um, one of the things you can do uh, to lower your adrenaline levels is um, something like a meditation or uh, breathing. Breathing is extremely uh, useful for lowering your stress levels in general. So knowing that adrenaline and cortisol increase your heart rate and elevate your blood pressure, then if you can do things to decrease your heart rate and lower your blood pressure, such as breathing in a very slow, calm manner, um, and maybe calming yourself down by seeing things in a relative way. So being more um, pragmatic about what's happening. Um, that can help lower your adrenaline and cortisol levels. Mm -hmm. That's interesting about breathing because I heard a, a podcast uh, about uh, a monk and then they explained that they taught people how to breathe. You know, yes. they said, in fact, people don't know how to breathe. So do you have any techniques that yes. you use about this yes. breathing thing? Yes, absolutely. So uh, if you want to breathe, I mean, and we can't go around 24 hours a day breathing consciously. Uh, mm -hmm. It is an unconscious action in the body. And, and so it should be. Uh, what you can do is take just three minutes to sit down uh, in a comfortable chair um, or just sit anywhere. It depends on where you are. Of course, you can't always, always find a comfortable chair. Um, and Breathe what I what we call breathe the square. So uh, this is very very simple. If you if you see in your mind a square with four sides, mm -hmm. a box with four sides. So you breathe in, which is one side of the box, and you count to four. Then you hold your breath for four. That's the second side. You breathe out and you count to four. That's the third side. And then you hold again for four, and that's the fourth side. You breathe in 
hold, breathe out, hold. And there you breathe the box and you count to four. And if you do that four times, I love fours because it's so easy, then you will see that you're, you will have calmed down your whole system. Now, of course, you have to be aware that this is happening and that you are going into stress or you are having um, higher levels of adrenaline. And you'll probably realize that by because your mind is going black, you're blank, you're starting to panic, you're starting to breathe quickly and your heart rate is probably going up. Mm-hmm. If we go back to, you mentioned burnout. So it was, it's really important to regulate your adrenaline uh, level. Are there yes. any other hormones that show? There is. In fact, we talked about cortisol and mm-hmm. uh, both um, adrenaline and cortisol are very big uh, risk factors in both stress and then burnout. Now, um, burnout is a different condition to stress. Burnout uh, tends to become due to uh, long-term stress, when you've had these chemicals the, or dre- these, these hormones, adrenaline and cortisol, running around your body for a long time. Now, the human body is, um, is made to have these uh, inputs of adrenaline and cortisol, these spouts of, 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 of hormones when they're needed. And then the human body normally would then use the hormone and then the hormone stops being produced. And that's how it would work in, in on the savanna or, or wherever where we needed the, the adrenaline or we needed the cortisol to run away or to, to fight and to be, to be really um, powerful and active. And then once the danger had passed, we would then relax back to our normal state. Now, the problem we're having today in, in, in life, uh, in many of our lives, is that we are constantly in this state of what we call arousal, where the body is pumping adrenaline and cortisol into our systems constantly. So the only time we're not having this pumped in is when we're sleeping. And then the body is trying very, very hard to to come overcome and to, to relax in that sleeping time. Now, that's what's causing, would be causing what we call chronic stress. And then it would later on be causing burnout because after a while, the body can no longer cope with this high level of stress, uh, this high level of adrenaline and cortisol in, in, the, um, in the body. So the body actually stops producing as much adrenaline and, and cortisol because there's just no more there. There's, the reservoir is empty. Okay. So the things we can do to avoid that uh, is the first thing we need to do is we need to look at um, where do stress hormones come from? Where are they built from? In fact, the basic building block of stress hormones and sex hormones, estrogen and testosterone, is cholesterol. Oh, yeah. And if we uh, want to produce these hormones, if we're depleting them constantly, we need to produce more. So we need to eat natural sources of cholesterol. For example, uh, natural egg yolks, grass-fed butter uh, or ghee, uh, grass-fed meat, if we're meat eaters, and fatty fish like wild salmon um, and other fish um, that, 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 that could help us produce these, this good cholesterol. Um, another thing we need to look at is controlling the sources of stress in our lives. So uh, big stresses are caffeine 
alcohol, sugar, and flour. Um, so we should be looking at uh, reducing uh, alcohol or eliminating it, eating enough pro protein, um, uh, and avoiding sugar and refined carbs, um, exercising regularly, what that will do is reduce our insulin levels and increase the insulin sensitivity. So our bodies become um, more able to use whatever sugar there is in the blood. We have to consume what we call healthy fats. Um, this are coconut oil, uh, dairy fats, not much, uh, and mainly, but mainly olive oil, Olive oil and, and nut oils uh, seem to work pretty well. Uh, we want to avoid overeating. So avoid eating too much and also avoid eating too little mm -hmm. because that will change the hormone productions. If we're eating too much, we're increasing our insulin levels. If we're eating too little, we're increasing our stress hormone, the cortisol because our body goes under stress because it's not getting the nourishment and the food it needs. So another thing is try and get consistent, high quality sleep. So go to sleep at the same time every evening and try and get as much rest, not too much either, um, as you can during the night. Uh, stay away absolutely from sugary drinks such as Coke and uh, other sweet beverages. Um, as much get as much fiber as you can in your diet it stimulates in fact the production of the hormones that make you feel full and satisfied uh, that's uh, the ghrelin hormone which is produced in the in the stomach and eat eggs so i've already spoken about the egg yolk uh, to increase your cholesterol you can eat eggs because they actually uh, beneficially affect your hormones and they lower the levels of insulin and they lower really interesting all protein will lower the hunger hormone, which is ghrelin. So the more protein you eat, the less hungry you'll feel. Mm -hmm. And about sleep, because I think the lack of uh, insomnia is one mm -hmm. of the first signs of, uh, of burnout. So are there any other things that we can do to, to prevent it or to slow well, down? What, 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 uh, what people tend to say is the experts say that if you are having problems sleeping at night, then whatever you do is never sleep during the day. Mm -hmm. However tired you are, do not fall asleep. So keep the sleep for the night and then create a ritual, a bedtime ritual. Make sure that you've got a quiet, dark room uh, to stay in, to sleep in. Make sure that... Um, you, maybe you want to put some lavender drops on, on or near your pillow. Um, make, maybe you want to have a warm bath or a shower. Uh, milk, uh, some people, those who can digest milk, they find, they, some of them find that milk uh, helps you feel a bit sleepy um, and it produces uh, serotonins. And um, you can also um, try and, and go to, or rather ready yourself for sleep early around 10, 10 30. And you may say, oh, well, that's far too early. I can't sleep. But that's okay. You can lie in the dark and just, just relax. Just let your, your body relax. There are these sleeping techniques of uh, emptying your mind. Uh, so it's a form of meditation. If you can, if you can find a, a way to 
meditate, stop thinking. Uh, so whenever you've catch yourself having all these ideas and things running around your head, um, acknowledge that they're there and then stop thinking about them and just think about, well, in meditation, as you know, there might be a word or there might be an image you have or a candle or a flame or something. You might, you might not want to have a flame uh, burning when you're trying to go to sleep. So maybe counting sheep would be a good idea. And something that, that's repetitive and stops your brain from, from racing. Mm -hmm. And I know also that it's very important to have no screen time before going to, to bed. Yes, absolutely. No screen time. So turn off all screens. If you do uh, have any screen time, make sure that you've got this uh, filter, the nighttime filter on it. You can get these free filters on both apps on your phone and your, your PCs and whatever. What they do is they filter out the blue light uh, because the blue light is um, a message to the brain to say, we have to wake up because during the day there's blue light and the brain realizes that and it will then stop producing melatonin, which again is another hormone. Um, and in fact, if we have this ritual of going to bed, of not having blue light around, of having very peaceful, calm evening, if that's possible, of course, depending on your life situation, then that also sends signals to the body to produce melatonin, which is the sleepy hormone. Okay. So, but it's true that when you're stressed, this is what's uh, so interesting. You always want to be on your, you know, laptop or on your phone instead of having this really cool down moment or yes. relaxing moment. So yes. it's quite uh, interesting. Yeah, and this is where you've got it. You've got to become very, um, very controlled. You've got to have a lot of self-control and you've got to change habits. And habits are there because they, they have been useful to us. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a certain habit. Uh, however, sometimes habits then stop being useful. So we have to choose which habits can be useful to us and we want to keep them and then which habits are not useful to us. And we want to then be aware of them. Again, self-awareness is the key and then change our habits. Mm -hmm. Do you have any evening ritual that you follow or that respect? Yes, uh, one of the things I like to do is to go to bed, have a yellow light, not a white light. So I, I'm I make sure that my, my night light, my bedside lamp is, has a yellow, a warm yellow light um, and um, have a very calm, I try and have a very calm room, uh, have a cup of, of something hot, a hot cup of uh, tisane. You have sleepy time teas or whatever, whatever tisane or herbal tea that, that you enjoy and that makes you feel calm. Actually, uh, just very simply, you can take lavender flowers uh, and uh, put a teaspoon of lavender flowers in hot water um, and drink it. That that's a very calming um, herbal herbal tea. And then read a book because you're not using your screen, you're not watching TV, you're reading a book. And by reading a book in with this yellow light, that's going to help your brain focus on something that's not the day uh, and not your normal life and uh, it allows you to start relaxing it allows the brain to start unwinding okay i already feel more relaxed so mm -hmm. good. good good and you mentioned before uh, insulin so it's can you tell us a little bit more about this uh, hormone yeah insulin is a really interesting one it is um it's an extremely critical hormone. If you don't produce insulin, then you die. If you don't have insulin in your body, because insulin, in fact, 
is the hormone that that um, uh, causes the takes sugar around the body. And um, the problem that we had, um, in fact, what it is, is it's a fat storing hormone. Uh, it's produced normally by your pancreas. Uh, it re regulates a lot of your metabolic processes. Uh, it allows your organs, your liver, and your fat to absorb glucose or the sugar. Now, if your body doesn't generate enough insulin, or if it's not able to use it well, then the blood sugar will accumulate. The sugar will stay in the blood and that may then set you up for diabetes. And it's then the diabetes that will kill you if you can't find a way of producing insulin or injecting insulin into the system. Now, very interesting is the history of insulin. Um, so in the, in the 17th and 18th centuries, um, in fact, not just insulin, but all hormones. Uh, in the 17th and 18th centuries, nobody really knew about hormones. They hadn't discovered hormones yet. However, they knew that if you would castrate a young boy, then his voice would remain high and pure, and it would enhance his breathing control. So people used to undergo castration in order to have this a uh, wonderful voice that um, boys' choirs would have. Uh, this was this happened very much in Italy. I think people are quite familiar with that, uh, the castratos, they used to call them. Now, <laughs> very uncomfortable procedure. And in fact, luckily, they stopped doing it in the 20th century because we started to understand that there were a lot of side effects. Uh, for example, uh, hair, the hair would be lost, uh, the hair would move back from the temples, uh, your arms and your legs would be longer than normal because the body would then um, grow in, and develop in a, in a different way because it would no longer have um, the testosterone that it needs to develop in a normal way. So um, then uh, if we talk about actually insulin itself, in 1902, uh, two gentlemen uh, called William Bayliss and Ernest Starling, uh, they realized that... Um, using a fluid from the stomach that goes into the intestine, which is sort of called secretin, okay? Uh, <laughs> if it's released into the blood, um, it will stimulate uh, the pancreatic, it'll stimulate the pancreas to actually produce insulin. So um, it was Starling who first coined the term hormone and secretin was the very first hormone that was discovered and described worldwide. Now, that was in 1902. In 1921, uh, there were two guys, Frederick Bank Banting and Charles Best, if you're interested in names. Uh, they did an experiment on diabetic dogs and they cured the condition by using pancreatic enzymes from healthy dogs. And this was the discovery of insulin. And they then in 1921, again, still, they injected this. This was a very risky procedure. They injected this substance into a man called Leonard Thompson, who was suffering from type one diabetes. Basically he would have died had he not been injected. It totally reversed his condition, not the first injection, but over a series of weeks. And um, that marked the discovery of insulin. And what's really interesting is that the childhood diabetes before 1922, the life expectancy was a matter of months. So if a child got diabetes, he would die. They, they would die within months. 
And after the insulin was discovered, um, the mortality of patients, uh, especially in the Canada and United States, this was um, in fact, Benting was working in Toronto in the hospital for sick children. And he started uh, injecting the sick children in the hospital with insulin. And he started having spectacular results. And in fact, it made a difference to millions of patients. So that's where uh, hormones and insulin started becoming really, really important and really interesting. And in fact, of course, the news spread worldwide um, and people started being cured worldwide. Uh, people were calling insulin the greatest thing of the age. Um, and it was in the newspapers in Toronto. They would share the success stories of people being saved by insulin. I mean, imagine that now. Mm -hmm. um, so, in fact, uh, Banting and, and McLeod, um, another uh, one of the guys who worked a lot with Banting in producing, in, in forwarding this, they got the Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine in 1923. So they got it a couple of years after they started using insulin, they, they had the Nobel Prize, which is amazing. So I just love that story because it shows how being aware of, of insulin, being aware of your hormones uh, can change your life. It can save your life. Mm -hmm. And I'm quite surprised that it's, in fact, it's quite new, you know, like it's just 100 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, so. it's 100 years old, 1921, absolutely. Yeah, 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 so it's interesting. Yeah. Um, and we speak now a lot about hormones, and most of the time it's linked with a female cycle, or, you know, female bodies. So is there any hormones that would interest, or I don't know how to say that, but uh, more linked to the male bodies or male spirits? Yes, absolutely. So as we know, uh, the female body uh, produces estrogen. Actually, all humans produce both female and male hormones. Uh, the female one is considered estrogen mm -hmm. um, and the male one is considered uh, testosterone. Um, the other one, uh, fem female hormone is considered, uh, yeah, estrogen and testosterone, sorry. Now, uh, it just depends. If you are, if you are female, um, then you will produce more estrogen and less testosterone and vice versa if you are male. Um, now, um, estrogen and testosterone, of course, are extremely useful hormones. They, you, you, we can't live without them. Uh, estrogen is considered, the, um, it's released by the ovaries of the women. So you can only re release estrogen if you have ovaries. Uh, and it develops uh, breasts, pubic hair, and it widens the, the woman's hips. Um, it's also involved in forming the bones, in blood clotting, and in the health of your skin and your nails. Now, interesting is if you don't have enough estrogen, you'll probably have low moods uh, and maybe depression. And uh, if you're in menopause and your estrogen levels start to fluctuate, so your body's starting to produce less estrogen, uh, you may well experience hot flashes, uh, low sexual libido, and you may well gain weight. Uh, now for the testosterone is produced in the male testicles. It's also produced in the ovaries. It's most often associated with your sex drive. And it's also associated with uh, the muscle and the bone mass and the distribution of fat cells. So if you've got a lot of testosterone, then you'll have more muscle, and higher bone mass, which is what you'll see as a difference between men and women in general. Men will have to have, will tend to have more muscle and bone mass. Um, and it also influences where the fat cells are distribute, distributed. Now, if you have low levels of testosterone, 
uh, you might have problems uh, with erectile dysfunction, a low sex drive, uh, loss of muscle and a lower bone density. So again, these are hormones that you have to be a bit careful of. You want to try and keep, keep them at, uh, at a good level. Now, both of these, estrogen and testosterone, if you don't have enough, you may find you're getting depressed, you're getting irritated, you may be getting angry easily, uh, you poor concentration and you're sleeping badly. So some of these uh, if effects uh, you can actually evaluate, could this maybe be due to my estrogen or testosterone levels? And you can get them checked. You can go and have a, a blood test done. Okay, so it's, um, it's thanks to, uh, thanks to um, uh, blood sample that you can see yes. all the- Yes, absolutely. Now it's not always very precise because the amount of uh, hormones of estrogen and testosterone, actually the amount of any hormone in your blood will vary. Um, according to what's happening. So you may need to get your blood tested over a, a series of days uh, to find out it, what your real levels are. Okay. okay. So, and to finish this uh, podcast, any a trick or uh, advice you have about uh, how to, to handle our hormones and uh, how to be balanced? Yeah, so um, I, what, we, what, what we want to try and do is we want to try and increase what we call the helpful hormones, the good hormones. Mm -hmm. So we want to increase uh, dopamine. Um, the dopamine is what we call the reward chemical or the reward hormone, as I said at the beginning of this podcast. Now to do that, um, you can do things like completing a task, checking off uh, a task from your list. Um, or self-care activities, having a bath, um, uh, giving yourself a break, going for a nice walk, uh, eating, eating good food will give you a dopamine hit. And also celebrate little wins. Oh. Um, be happy about what you achieve. It doesn't have to be the big stuff. It can be the little stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you may uh, want to increase your serotonin levels. The serotonin, as we said before, is the mood stabilizer. It, it balances your moods. And this, uh, the things you can do there is you can meditate or just sit and think or read a book. Uh, exercise is really, really useful. Uh, get some sun. Sun uh, doesn't just give you vitamin D, it also increases your serotonin levels and it stabilizes your mood. And be in nature. Find, find a piece of grass, find a forest, find some nature that you can sit in or walk in. Exercise in, of course, is the best in the sun. Um, then you're we'll doing- some dark chocolate. And eat some dark chocolate. <laughs> then that, that'll help um, increase your serotonin. And of course the dark chocolate is uh, the endorphins that will be helped by that. Mm -hmm. uh, endorphins we've already spoken about. Um, find a ways to laugh, essential oils, eat dark chocolate, and uh, of course exercise again. So try and find, try and hit these positive chemicals, give them little uh, hits, um, these hormones, to increase your, your good mood. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that you mentioned the small, you know, tasks or yes. like smaller wins, because yes. I think we always look for the next big goal and we always forget to celebrate what we've achieved. So that's great. It could be just, I got up this morning and I made a cup of coffee. Yes. <laughs> and then you can have a piece of chocolate to celebrate. Exactly. So, Christine, what would be the last words to, to finish this episode? I think the last word is awareness. Be aware 
of what you're doing. Be aware of your of yourself and your moods and realize that you can do, you have the power, you can do little things to, to change your moods, moods and to become happier in, in your everyday lives. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. So now I'm going to go into nature, run and eat some dark chocolates. Yes. Thank you very much for all this information. Thank you. Thank you very much for being here. It was such a pleasure. Wonderful. And talk to you soon then. Absolutely, Julie. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. You've been listening to A Toolkit for a Better Life with Christine Peterson and Julie Sharef. For more information and details on how to contact us, please see the podcast description.